Welcome to That Game Show, the awkward, inappropriate, random podcast that occasionally talks about games. Welcome back to another episode of That Game Show. I am your host, Chase Bunker, and joining me today is a very special guest. He is one of the best esports reporters in the industry. He's a former reporter over at ESPN Esports, former reporter over at the Dot Esports, and he's now a producer over at Overcome. He is pretty much, he's the best in the industry. I'm just going to flat out say he's a 2018 Esports Award winner, and he's the Adam Schefter of Esports. He is the Adrian Wojnarowski of Esports. Like, damn it, he's just great at it overall. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Jacob Wolf. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm glad I was able to finally get you on the show. Um, Thank you for having me. So before we get into like the games and like esports reporting and all the fun stuff, you and I are both big sports fans. And recently, our teams have finally seen success with me being from Tampa, uh, my Tampa teams, and you yep. with your Georgia teams. How did you feel during that national championship game? I was like kind of in disbelief there for a while so i was like really on the edge of my seat at halftime before the bulldogs like rallied and came back um and then and it was like it was a really boring first half too i oh, think yeah. it was nine six for alabama and and you know it just been like field goal fiesta basically mm-hmm. like nobody could score a touchdown on one another and then the third quarter rolled in and like all of the you know, alabama started moving a lot faster and and started scoring and i was like uh, I I felt like for a moment, especially after the Stetson Bennett um, like weird fumble, right? Yeah. Like he didn't like get it fully forward; it went in the air, and the Alabama player made the best cr- play of his damn career and like was in bounds with it or whatever. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, not again! Like it, it, it's been one of those things where it's like, oh, we always get here. We're always in the playoff. We've had a great football team for like six years, five years, not again, and. Uh, I was that's how I felt in the third quarter and then when the uh when they rallied and the downfield pass got got them in scoring position and then uh obviously the the like sort of nail in the coffin was the interception I was like almost in tears like I I have I was not a <laughs> I was not alive in the 1981 uh, or 1980 uh yeah and so it's like um I, like honestly I just yeah, I've been blown away. I like immediately. It's not gotten here yet, but I ordered like almost three hundred dollars worth of championship gear and was just like, screw it. Like I'm gonna remember this moment forever. So I may as well just indulge in it. So, oh yeah, uh, I'm feeling very good about it. I did the absolute same thing when the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, where it was just like, yeah. I think I bought like three Super Bowl shirts because it's just like, <laughs> I mean, like the last was in two thousand and two, but I was just like, I mean, I was like. 10 at the time i wasn't as big of a bucks fan as i am now and so i'm like this was my super bowl and like the i remember like because with atlanta when they were up seven were you like oh no alabama has us right where we want them because let's be honest like hopefully we, we can you can trade jabs all you want with us um with you know my teams no lead is safe when it comes to Georgia teams. I mean, when no, Atlanta, not. with Georgia, Donald Trump, no lead is safe if Georgia is <laughs> ever involved. I made that joke, actually, on a conservative radio show. I got so much hate after that. It's like, come on, it's a simple joke. But you had to have been stressing, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely was. I was in a panic in the the third quarter of, like, you know, I remember... 
I remember where I was the last time this happened, like vividly, like what couch I owned at the time, what apartment I was sitting in, like who I was with in the previous uh, Atlanta Georgia National Championship game a few years back. Mm -hmm. And I like remember just like, oh, like, damn it, here it goes. Right. Like, and it was just like Georgia just making mistakes and like shooting themselves in the foot. Mm -hmm. And I was like very much like, am I going to have to live this again twice in five years? Oh, that would have been so uh, bad. And so then uh, to see it actually all work out was wild. So, uh, yeah, I over, over the moon. But, yes, I, I I remember distinctly where I was during the Falcons collapse to the Patriots. And I remember uh, <laughs> that moment very well. And I remember how surprised I was this summer when the Braves beat the, the Astros in the World Series as well. Like that, yeah, blown away. Yeah. I, I Are you actually a big Braves fan or are they just like kind of like the lower tier? You're more of Falcons. And... I am a football and basketball fan first. Mm -hmm. I played baseball for probably seven or eight years growing up. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just I I I played football, too. And so football is like by far my favorite sport. And I got because I'm a nerd. I got into basketball from like that perspective. Like mm -hmm. I love Basketball's got some of the coolest content because of the ability uh, to like track statistics and all the sort of record breaking and everything else that happens in in the NBA. So I love the NBA from like an analytical perspective. Obviously, I I'm a Hawks fan and I have been since I was a little kid because mm -hmm. I went to Hawks games. But nice. I wasn't super into basketball until I was an adult, and I um, now I just kind of watch basketball without a, without a up, like outsized uh, rooting interest. So I, I watch a lot of basketball games that don't involve the Hawks, and mm -hmm. I just enjoy like watching whatever. I have League Pass, and I have uh, obviously ESPN and and uh, TNT. So yeah, I just keep up. Yeah. Do you have any su uh, weird sports superstitions? Because, like, you're mentioning the couch. You remembered everything. Like, are you one of those people where it's like, all right, I got to wear this same outfit. I got to be in this position at this time and all that. No, no, no weird superstitions for me. I just, like, hope for the best and uh, expect the absolute worst. That's I think that's the life of a Georgia sports fan. I have slowly discovered that I have a weird superstition, and that is I will start cleaning my apartment when my team's losing. And I discovered uh. this during the Rays-Dodgers uh, World Series the game four game when they were down and all of a sudden, like I just was doing dishes and they started getting in runs. And then all of a sudden I'm swiffering my floor. And then the weird, like um, Brett Phillips, like bloop over into right field that somehow pulls in two runs. And it's like, Oh, I got to clean my apartment now all the time. The downside was the, the very next game. Uh, my apartment was clean. I had nothing to clean. And I blamed that for all of our losses. Yeah. No, I, uh, I feel you on that. I I'm glad I'm not superstitious, but it's also just torturing to be a Georgia sports fan. It truly is. I I understand uh, being a Tampa fan and an Orlando Magic fan for all these years. We're seeing success now, but oof, oof. Yep. Your Falcons yep. have utterly destroyed us in the past. But at least we can both agree we hate the Saints, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, all that's right. True. We, we found common ground. We found common ground, folks. Uh, all is well. So let's talk about your career. How did you get into esports journalism? So I've been a gamer my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, when I was younger, my mom was actually a gamer. She's one of the few boomers. So I think I know that was a, a very early into the gaming space um, just from a, a player perspective. So she had a PlayStation 1 and like the original Game Boy and a handful of other things. And um, I remember I got 
for like my four-year-old Christmas a Game Boy Advance, and nice. then some, some years after that, an Xbox 360 or an Xbox, and then an Xbox 360. Eventually, um, uh, my dad tricked me into uh, he took me to a Circuit City, which maybe people remember that store. <laughs> what a reference! Circuit City, uh, like maybe two weeks, three weeks before Christmas, and basically said like, go uh, go pick out like which xbox because i had a, several different bundles with release titles mm-hmm. um and he said go pick out which one you want for your mom i picked the halo edition and because i picked what i wanted and uh Smart. it ended up being my present not my mom's um, <laughs> <laughs> that's clever um, that's good yeah yeah so I, i've selected my own uh my own thing um so i grew up a gamer um when i was in or i got really into youtube at one point like one of the original things i wanted to do in my life that i got really passionate about was video editing which is kind of funny how this has come full circle Mm -hmm. um and i really wanted to be into the youtube space i saw these people like playing and making call of duty content in particular um so I was making some of my own. Some I, I've scrubbed most of that from the internet out of embarrassment of being a, a you know, preteen uh, creating content like that. Um, but, it's a good idea. Yeah. So so I um, but I was really into it. And I like learned how to video edit it uh, or video edit originally in Sony Vegas and then eventually uh, Premiere and Final Cut. And I kind of just kept in tune with it. Like I I did some work in the music industry as well. Um, I ran a series of record labels. Some of that is still available online. Um, I made a whole lot of mistakes, but I actually just learned a lot. Like being 14, 15, 16 years old, 17 years old, working in that space and just being an idiot has been really useful because my my esports career has not had too many blemishes because I learned how to be an idiot in another space. So by the time I started doing esports stuff, like all my stupidity, most of my stupidity was out, at least from the public perspective. Nice. Um, so uh, then I started, so I, I graduated high school early. I went to college for computer information systems we were not well off at the time my parents split in 2007 um or 2006 sorry and then my mom lost her job in 2008 um, as part of the financial crisis and we were very lower middle class um and so i uh basically was just trying to find things to do and i was playing games and um one of my best friends got me uh into league of legends in 2012 um, and I just started playing all the time. And, and so I went to college in 2013, um, was doing that. And then, uh, eventually wanted to start writing about league because I like was paying attention to the esports scene. Um, and I started writing for free at a, uh, as a volunteer at a website called esports heaven, which still exists. Eventually got like a freelance, thing with gfinity um as well and now they own cgg and a few other sites um but they were just publishing on their own site at the time um and then ultimately i had a big break with this once with kind of two stories actually so one story about um this player named his in-game name was Corey and uh, meet your makers uh, was the team and essentially um because he was a minor his mother had signed his contract and he was in violation of it he actually fled from europe to canada to go be with another team and um because he was kind of fearful of his management and in one of the conversations he recorded a number of his conversations with the team and the team managers and and one of them um the one of the team managers threatens to or threatened to uh, make his mother lose his house 
Wow. Um, if uh, he broke his contract. So uh, those audio recordings I got a copy of, and I wrote that story. Richard Lewis also wrote a story about it at the time for Dot Esports. Mine was published on Esports Heaven. They were published very quickly with one another. I had done some additional reporting um, about some other issues in the same team, and it got published, and that was sort of my big break, top of Reddit, and uh, people started to pay attention to who I was. Shortly after that, I um, reported on a scrim leak that was happening in Challenger, now the equivalent to Academy um, mm -hmm. League in North America, where one team had privately streamed scrims uh, with an opponent to another team in the league. And um, the the team that recorded, or sorry, that privately streamed these um, was uh, TSM's Academy team, was their AD carry at the time. Um, who now is actually, I believe, is uh, C9 Diamond. He's role swap to support. Um, and, or I think he's still on C9 Diamond, the support player in okay. the Academy Leagues. Um, anyway, so I reported on that, and then um, I kind of went through the whole saga. The entire team got cut, even though he was the only one that did it. They, the others didn't have any complicity. And um, they gave me an on-the-record statement that they were going to sue TSM. They never did, but it was... Uh, kind of jarring to hear that you know come on the record from a player and a set of players and so i got to break that story for the score and um the score job score story they were kind of the new kids on the block at the time they had just launched like two months before that and dot esports was sort of the existing incumbent in this in the esports journalism space and so by writing one story for the score it became clear to dot esports hey you have to recruit me or you're going to lose me kind of situation like somebody was going to give me an actual job eventually or like a stable income so i got a contractor gig for dot esports i did eight months as a contractor four months as a full-timer two months into being full-time there espn uh launched or sorry espn had already launched and then came to me because they were having issues um with slasher uh another journalist and and so they decided to move on from him and um they were came to me and wanted uh to hire me as as their reporter main reporter for their esports department and so uh technically i i suppose uh i'm employee number three in that group which eventually became 11 or 12 people but um yeah i was i was pretty early on into the espn esports group i was there uh four months into launch i remember when espn esports launched I, i've got so many other questions like you mentioned slasher and i completely forgot about him because i remember he was yep. quote like the number one esports journalist simple lord 69 and all that what happened to him like he I just know, seemed he to have always... dropped off i mean he did a stream the other day with um dj wheat and uh it's the first time i it, the last time i had privately heard from him since before that was when I launched Overcome last September, he messaged me and just told me congratulations on your new venture or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. just a, kind of one. And I, I thanked him. Um, I don't know what happened to him. I, I know with ESPN, um, there were some issues. And, I mean, I've said this to his face, so I don't mind repeating it. I wouldn't have a job without him. Um, <laughs> meaning, if uh, obviously, if he had not got gotten Lego from ESPN, they would have mm -hmm. never been desperate enough to hire a 19-year-old to replace him. So um, I'm very lucky. I remember the early days of ESPN Esports. I was listening to one podcast and it was just, they. I don't know who it was that was hosting it. You might know, but I feel like this was very early on, so it might have been before your time. So I could feel comfortably insulting it. It was just like, it was very monotone. And of course, like me working at like a desk job at the time, wanting to get into the industry, I'm like, oh, I could have done this. And like, you know, the, the arrogance essentially. 
But yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I just remember hearing that. And so when they put forth and at least like they got you, they got Emily Rand, Tyler Ersberger, um, Arden o- Ardo Cal. Like that's when I could see at least like they were putting forth more effort into that. Um, yep. Before we get into the ESPN aspect, do you have like do you have a rival reporter like you know how Woj has Shams, um, Schefter has I don't know Tom Palacero or some other people like do you have like a certain writer like is it Jake Lucky is it um, Richard Lewis like that is a rival to you? I don't think so. I mean, occasionally I compete for st- certain stories with certain people. Um, but I don't think there's anyone in the space that sort of is going after the same types of stories I'm going after exactly. Mm-hmm. Not to say there is another reporting big dub. There is. I I would be remiss not to like shout out the folks at the Washington Post who have been doing some really great gaming reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, some of the others around the space as well, like Adam Fitch and um, obviously Richard as well. Um, but I I don't. And sometimes I do find myself competing with those people for stories. Like I like will have a source be like, "Hey, this person also reached out to me," um, and that happens sometimes. But it's not every single story, basically. Like I, there are some things I just do mm-hmm. and report on, and nobody has any damn idea. Like there's just so many stories to tell and so few people to tell them that I feel like we kind of all have our individual lanes in a sort of way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't necessarily feel like anybody necessarily encroaching on my space. Okay. Um, Speaking of Richard Lewis, do you know why he blocked the entire Overwatch community? Because I fell victim to it and it's like, I've never tweeted an insult at you at all. Like I'm pro reporting and all that. And I've written, I've read some of his stuff and it's good. But then I saw the tweet and like, ah, I can't read it. I have no idea, honestly. Um, I worked with Richard for about six or seven months early in my career. Obviously, him and I have spoken uh, since we worked together, um, and I was on the Four Horsemen show uh, last year. Um, but I, yeah, I have, I have no idea. I like, I also, you know, the block button is a powerful tool. It's actually really useful, especially when you're the, you know, a public facing figure and yeah, center of harassment. Um, but I don't. I don't like mass block like that. Uh, yeah. But I, I know how to, but I just don't. <laughs> Trust me, um, I just got into the journalism industry, and I've already got, I wrote one piece, and I've already got, like, the one troll on me. And, like, they yep. looked at, like, my, looked at one story, and then the he proceeded to grammar Nazi one tweet of mine back in September, and it was like, holy crap, dude. Like, why are you scrolling back that far? I've tweeted yeah. so many other stupid things back then. Yep. No, 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 I know. I, I've had those too, and I just had to block them and move on. Or just, like, mute them. The mute button is also, also powerful. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll occasionally see a tweet where, like, it says, oh, I have one re- one reply, and I don't see it. And I was like, it's probably somebody that I've muted. Yeah. And also, some, some of the people, too, that I, I've encountered where, like, you they say something really insulting, you mute them, and then they, like, act like uh, it, <laughs> they act like in your, like, you know, six months down the road or whatever. They're just, like trying to have like a normal conversation it's mm-hmm. just like no you were an asshole I yeah don't no. anything, i don't want anything to do with you <laughs> yeah exactly like so. i feel like the mute button is almost better just because it's like i want oh, you yeah. to think that i can see this but in actuality like i don't yeah. even know you exist anymore 
Yeah, hiding replies has also been a really nice add to Twitter. Uh, simply, like, I don't use it in the sense of, like, if somebody has, like, a different opinion from me. Um, I use it more so when somebody's just, like, being... I I've been in the target of a couple different harassment campaigns the past year, mm -hmm. and it will be, like, I'm tweeting about something, like, related to my cats or whatever, mm -hmm. and somebody, like, runs up in my thread and is just being an asshole, so I just hide their replies. Like, yeah. nobody wants your shit here. And, so. and we aren't going to appreciate any macchiato slander here. Do yeah, yeah. Doris and Sager <laughs> are nice, too, but, I mean, like... Macchiato's the queen. Macchiato is... Yeah, Macchiato is queen. Uh, by the way, did you name Doris and Sager alpha of uh, Doris Burke and Craig Sager? That is correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. Indeed. I feel so. I feel proud of myself knowing that, even though it is probably like the most like easiest thing out there. Uh, speaking of sports, we'll go to ESPN. Uh, unfortunately, it was it fell victim to the pandemic, uh, and it really sucked seeing you know you Tyler, Emily, and Arda kind of get you know, axed a little bit. Art is now still over at ESPN, so at least, like, he still got connected. Yeah. Did you feel like if the pandemic didn't happen, would you still be at ESPN and would ESPN Esports still exist? Uh, the, I think the answer to both those questions is no, and I'll explain why. So, I actually don't think the pandemic had as much of an outsized effect on the closure of ESPN Esports as maybe ESPN would like to use it as an excuse to like, uh, you know, they made other layoffs than rather than just our department when they uh, made those series of layoffs in November of 2020. Um, I think we were just like kind of grouped in to like not have to explain the further issue, right? Like the company doesn't like to admit defeat. So it's just yeah. easy to just lay, lay off people in, in the group and move on. Um, I think we were, I think we were pretty dead. I, I started to feel like we were pretty dead in the water or we're going to be probably mid to late 2019. So really mm, a little, a little bit more than a year before everything actually happened. I personally was looking to bounce in April of 2020, um, I that was when my contract expired at my time there, and then I actually I worked without a contract for about a month. We signed a like essentially a six month extension to get me through January um, of 2021, and then ultimately when they laid us off, I was like planning the free agency show. I found the the partnership with Evil Geniuses, and it mm -hmm. just made sense to just leave early. Like they were gonna basically give me two months to sit on my hands. Um, and I decided I don't want to be here anymore. So I just left. I told them, Hey, like, I know you're going to terminate my contract at the beginning of January. Anyway, how about we just not like, how about we just do it now? You don't have to pay me the rest. Just pay me my PTO and I'll be on my way. So what I, I, I actually really hated my last, uh, 18 months there. To wow. Be yeah. What was it about? Like, was it just the atmosphere that you hated or was it just like, management wasn't providing you with the resources it's a little bit of both i think the big thing for me is it was said to me a lot when i was at espn that you know if you're here you're the best mm -hmm. you're the best at what you do right. and i think that's true like i i did feel like when a lot of the work i did there i was the best reporter in the space but at the same time i or the best reporter covering esports to be clear mm -hmm. um but at the time like I was 22, 23 years old my last few years there. And like, so I wanted so much more growth. Like my ambitions were really, really high and I wasn't really being provided mentorship in that way. Like the, you know, there were a few people that I definitely got that from, but it was almost a problem sometimes when I would ask for more hands-on editing and hands-on explaining and like 
guiding mm-hmm. and it's like look i'm young like i want to grow like i know i'm the best in my space but it doesn't mean i'm the best journalist i i can be right so i i want to be better i want to learn from other people um and then really the big the big thing for me was just the lack of understanding of the space and not not just the lack of understanding but the lack of want wanting to understand and to learn from upper management um you know i had a lot of pitches that made a lot of sense mm-hmm. uh fall on deaf ears like not even being given their own shot not just the written work but some of the other stuff i wanted to produce and now i am doing um but the yeah i mean like for example the O'Leary project that i did in 2019 where we fo- uh, followed and filmed um O'Leary, who was a vic- victim of the jacksonville shooting um he i remember pitching that for the first time and the uh it was the pitch was turned down by outside the lines because apparently they had another story about a minor league baseball player who lost his sister during the las vegas shooting mm-hmm. they were like we don't want two shooting stories and i was like but like I understand that's fine, but at the same time, this is a gamer who's taken two gunshot wounds to the hand, and his career may be over. Like when I first pitched it, we didn't know that he was going to make the comeback that he did, and I was like, "So there's two outcomes here: his career's over, or he makes an awesome comeback, and the story's fantastic, and that's ultimately what he did. Um, and the story was great, and it the pos- really positive reception. It got award nominations, and then I like after that I had a bunch of other stories that I was like yeah the human interest here like there's a lot to be told about people in gaming that aren't is isn't about the games themselves and all of that fell on death ears um but and then I'd be like forced to write about you know it, it's actually just really funny the the whole their whole messaging about the pandemic because when the pandemic started and all the leagues were canceled um you know, remember the like Rudy Gobert moment of the NBA? Yeah. And, you know, it, he <laughs> oh yeah, that, that rubbed was his tough. hands all over the recorders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and when all of that happened, we were like, a lot of pressure was put on us. We're like, oh, you're the you're the only group that can kind of like make it through the pandemic because all your competitions are moving online. And so then um, the so then Take Two ran a uh, so or ran a player invitational for NBA 2K where it was like Kevin Durant and uh i'm trying to think like zach levine and a few others mm-hmm. were um uh, were playing in this um at donovan mitchell were playing in this invitational that espn was airing and i had to like stay up late at night and watch these pre-recorded by the way they were not live matches of of basketball players playing nba 2k yeah and write match recaps about them even though they were pre-recorded and they could have handed me the footage earlier in the day i had to stay up till like at times midnight to write these dumb match recaps i'm just like you're wasting my time like I have the ability to like go out there and cover these big stories and like talk to people, figuring out how the ind- industry is changing, and I, this is how I'm spending my time for two weeks writing these match recaps. And I like I made it known that I was un- unhappy, and uh, I honestly don't think they cared. I I like I remember again. I have a pretty good uh, photographic memory. I remember mm-hmm. where I was the day that they called me uh, about the layoffs. I remember hanging up the phone and like screaming at the top of my lungs. I was so happy actually like i i'm almost wow. glad it ended that way um in retrospect because i was going to feel really bad about leaving my coworkers, um if they were all going to continue and i wasn't like i was going to tap out in january 2021 and just move on and to not have to feel that guilt 
leave behind people I liked working with, Emily and Tyler and and Sean and Brian and all the others. Like mm-hmm. to not have to leave them behind and feel that guilt was actually really relieving. Um, because I was going to kind of either way. It was crazy during that time when. Like that whole, I remember, you know, when they suspended the whole season and all that, when you're talking about the Rudy Gobert thing, like, I remember when esports was kind of freaking out, like, what do we do? Like, we can't do lands. Like, you you go online, like, everyone's doing yeah. online. And so, um, when everything went online, when, like, these events, like Overwatch League, Call of Duty League came back, they weren't really covering it. They decided, oh, no. we're going to go to. Uh, I, I made this joke in a, in a hot take uh, over on a, the ESPN affiliate over in Orlando. I had a weekly hot take section where I made like uh, one minute like comedic sports take, um, and I said, "Dear sports," like that whole thing. Remember that whole like "Dear sports" segment? Yeah. yeah. And so I wrote a fake "Dear sports," and I said, "Dear G two, dear Cloud Nine, dear Luna Lovey." Um, I can't talk about you because you're esports, but for some reason I can talk about Korean baseball. Like that yep. was the thing that we were allowed to talk about. And it's like, wait a minute, this is literally esports' time to shine, and they're not seizing that opportunity. The other time they had before that was the Heroes of the Dorm tournament. Oh, and like uh, what, 2017? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I, if I told you the amount of times I had to listen to someone pitch a really stupid idea here's a great example of this okay was the uh they do you remember the collegiate invitational that they did um i think it was 2019 must have been 2019 i remember that i was not able to do certain things because we needed people to cover that event and uh i was at something else the same week and they were like prioritized coverage of the collegiate invitational they rented out an entire arena in Houston, and they had fifty people. No, show up. Yes, for he, the nobody, Heroes of the Storm Collegiate Tournament. It was like a couple of different games. I think it was like Rocket League, and I can't remember if Heroes was on the docket. If you go back and look at ESPN Esports Collegiate Invitational, it it there was a handful. It was like it was definitely Rocket League. It was a couple of Activision Blizzard games. I think maybe fighting games as well. Um, and I was just like no there's no audience for this who in the room obviously we weren't involved we were the editorial part of the company but like who in the room and programming and events said this was a good idea and i actually later in the year got to spend some time with one of the people who like put together that event and she's like oh i like didn't even know you guys existed in the company i was like you should have called me and i would have saved you millions of dollars Mm -hmm. i would have told you nobody would have showed up to this damn thing i'm looking at the press release from or not the press release but this is the article that reuters wrote among the titles being played in the CEC are Overwatch, Street Fighter V, Hearthstone, StarCraft, Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, it's like, well, I'm surprised in 2019 they did Heroes of the Storm because Blizzard has practically like gutted that game. Oh, I, I think if you're Activision Blizzard and ESPN calls you up and says, we want to pay IP rights fees to use your games in our tournament, and mm-hmm. the ones they request are Heroes of the Storm and StarCraft, you just take that to the bank. Oh, yes, because absolutely. That's just ESPN writing a dumb check, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um and i i yeah i like i said i got to spend some time in person with one of the people responsible for that tournament and that was her like she was like oh i didn't know you guys existed in the company i was like i should figure that out you should figure out what your company was doing in esports because i would have told you this was really stupid like one phone call would have saved you millions Mm -hmm. of dollars like it's i remember watching the heroes of the dorm tournament and 
the casters there were okay, but the actual coverage, because it was on ESPN2, they had to really dumb it down and I, then yeah. literally explain everything. And it's just like, it was but, me and my girlfriend at the time, now my oh. wife. And it was just like, this is so bad. Like The best programming they ever did on television uh, for esports was Evo. They put uh, Smash Ultimate on Disney XD. And that was ESPN produced. And it was awesome. Um, in hindsight, I... I I, I made the talent suggestion for that, and they hired the people I suggested. In hindsight, one mm -hmm. of them I didn't know would be an accused rapist, which uh, I was not aware of that at D1. Um, I was not aware of that at the time, or I would not have made that suggestion. Right. Um, but I suggested him and Vicky Kitty um, to cast, and they were they casted the ESPN television stream, and it was excellent. It was excellent. Um, and it was on Disney XD. The audience wasn't terrible. Like, that was perfect. That's what you do. Like... You know, you 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 don't want to just redistribute uh, Evo stream, but then you hire two other people who aren't casting on Evo stream, and you put together your own unique broadcast with those people. Yeah. And and I uh, I don't know the the problem with ESPN as a business, just generally in my opinion, is they really only want to invest time in covering things that are on their airwaves. Mm -hmm. um, and so they had no position to have esports on their airwaves nobody's going to sign an exclusive deal with espn their web offering is pretty awful um espn plus is fine for recorded content like video on demand but mm -hmm. for live content you know watch espn is pretty terrible still in my opinion and yeah. someone who uses it um and so given that they were never going to have a uh relevant spot spot in the industry as a broadcaster um i think they just gave up like and, and pursuing it digitally i do think it will change mm -hmm. one day i think they'll actually probably go acquire something uh, in the gaming space um to because they're gonna realize they screwed up yeah. um but you know it's it's whatever I'm, I'm honestly glad it's over i was i was really happy that it was over at the end um and i i made out pretty good so i i thought it was fun i was really hoping you're gonna go for the joke that the best thing they actually put out was the 1997 magic the gathering tournament on ESPN2 yeah. because they did that once and then they were saying, oh, we can't have video games on our ESPN airways. I'm like, you just literally had a card game on here that wasn't even poker. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought that you were going to go with that. It just, it just so back-ass words, man. Like, I, I uh, pun intended there. But great, I, I honestly, great reference. Great job. Um, I, yeah, I, I, that company really confuses me. The, you know, if you know anything about their inner workings, it's, when they have an executive vice president, uh, essentially it's a battle for power, right? So, like, mm -hmm. you have Jimmy Pitaro at the top. He runs the business. He liaisons to Disney, et cetera. He's the one they put out in public. But really the way the company is run is is it's like a jostling position for which executive vice president is in charge this time. And that usually lasts for about 18 to 20, 24 months. Um, and I was there during a few of those transitions, including the last one, which is still intact. Um, and so depending on which executive vice president kind of holds the keys to the to, to the castle those are how the priorities are set the current key holder to the castle is norby williamson who is a former producer of sports center mm -hmm. and now is an executive vice president at espn so that's why you see their programming be very heavily sports center very much just sports broadcasting yeah not a lot of experimental content nope like very by the book oh right? yeah like and, they and got rid of like, dan lebitard like they pretty yeah, much like yeah, forced yeah. dan lebitard out and i'm surprised yeah, they have bomani so jones i am too although he does have that kind of unique arrangement um but yeah they've lost talent like crazy errol ariel Hawani, mm -hmm. dan lebitard because honestly they just decided they were going to spit in the face of people i i didn't really get along all that well with 
John Skipper um, when he was running the business. But one thing I will say is John Skipper was a journalist first. Like he was running or he was editing for ESPN, the magazine. That was his background before he ascended up the ladder and became the president of the company. Um, and yeah, John, like John was a journalist. He cared about content and his whole thing was like, okay, well, as long as we're making money on the television side, we can afford to lose money on the uh, journalism side. So that's why ESPN the magazine existed. ESPN the magazine didn't make money its last few years. It was a, a you know net loss basically, but he was a big supporter of journalism. So it was like, great, we're making money on television or you know television and NFL games, Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. So we'll allocate some of that to support other things. So what you're saying is you're not going to be joining Metal Arc Media in terms of esports coverage after all. Uh, I have not received that phone call. I actually okay. really like Dan, Dan Levitard, uh, Me too. but John is, John is a, a bit of a boomer. I, I so. feel like we could just have a whole other show just of Dan Levitard references, but in your career, has there been anything more frustrating to talk about and to re- repeat than the Perks Fanatic contract? No. Actually, yeah, that, that one was really annoying because a lot of people didn't understand it, which is why I sort of had the moment at the beginning of the free agency show mm-hmm. in November to be really hard down the middle about it because I was tired of seeing misinformation peddled. I mean, yeah. I, I felt bad for you because I remember, I saw the I saw it, but I also saw like, you know, numerous tweets like weeks before or like days before. And it was just like, why are people not grasping this? Yeah, I thought we people's reading comprehension can sometimes not be great. I yes. thought we made it very clear in the actual piece mm-hmm. what the arrangement was. Yeah. But, you know, maybe people don't get it. Yeah, real quick, let's talk about your free agency specials because they're both they're all really well done and also the fact that you. you have to be like going crazy just like getting all these sources, like talking to all these people as like the signing period is going on, right? I mean, the hardest part the past 2 years has been the actual production of the damn thing not not the reporting the reporting at this point is kind of second nature right like it's just what i do i know who to call i know who to talk to i know kind of how to chase down leads mm-hmm. hardest part has been actually putting them together so the 2021 uh or 2020 show we were planning to do it at espn and got laid off two weeks before it aired so i had two weeks to get it like get contract stuff done with evil geniuses mm-hmm. or not even that right rewind for a second find who to work with on it decide it was going to be Evil Geniuses, do the contract stuff with Evil Geniuses, and put a, a, put an entirely new show together because we were told we can't use any of the ESPN stuff in fear of uh, litigation, obviously. So right. we essentially started over and, and had to put it together in two weeks. Um, and then with Dot, we had some stuff internally with our uh, video team, like you know, pretty massive turnover in, at our video team. And I, like, we got to September and we were just like, we need to figure this out and mm-hmm. okay well we don't have anybody that knows how to do show running other than you so i became default showrunner Jeez. everything from working with the studio like finding the or somebody else in the company knew them but like working with them correlating assets building some of the assets myself like if you saw they weren't effectively used but like there were these player cards that had stats and champion icons and stuff like mm-hmm. i didn't design them from originally they were designed by a designer that worked with the company but i had to create all of them once she built the template and that was like a hundred plus player cards and i had to i had to build them all and then animate them all and i spent like i was up till two or three in the morning every day for six weeks basically um working on that show and it was just yeah kind of drove me mad but honestly the despite the technical issues of this past past show which were not on us uh mm-hmm. it was on our production partner um 
you know, I walked away from it frustrated with that, but at the same time, like the silver lining, I did everything I was supposed to do, and it was excellent. So, um, would you do yeah. it again next year? It sounds like all this, like it sounds like you're just a glutton for pain. Like, are you going to do it yeah. again next year? I don't know yet. I don't really like that it's now been at three different companies. <laughs> Obviously, the first one was at ESPN, the second one, Evil Geniuses, and third one at Dot Esports. Um, I don't know. I, I've thought about it. I'm obviously doing other content with Overcome that takes like a lot of effort and hard work. Um, but I don't know. It would, it would have to be a really special arrangement for it to work out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, this past year, I will say it was a lot of effort for not as much. Like the numbers were fantastic. We beat ESPN and Evil Genius's previous numbers, but the nice. reward was not like as big for the effort basically. Well, then allow me to pitch that game show's free agency special. We can't really pay you. I'll be hosting. I'll, I'll, make, I'll handle all the hosting things and just make all the hot takes. I don't know what I'll be talking about. And you, you, you do your thing, but I'll pay you in bits of string. How's that sound? <laughs> Which it sounds like is what ESPN is just paying you anyway. Uh, my, I will say ESPN pays really well for, for, uh, compared to the rest of the industry, which I appreciated. That's but, good. Yeah. It, it was a, it, yeah. Very difficult time putting together that show. We'll talk about all three of all three of them have been painful. I, oh, it sounds painful. And if I will say this, you've only known me for about 45 minutes. Uh, if you need help, let me know. I will try my best, even Thank though you. I, you can just say no now, or you can just say no at the end of this podcast. We'll talk about <laughs> Overcome in just a little bit. As a reporter and as someone who covers this and who constantly do all these um, free agency specials and all that, are you allowed to have a favorite team? Like, do you have a favorite team that you root for in league? Not anymore. I did when I got into the industry, but then I started to uh, do reporting on all these teams, and it's hard for me to root really the ones i previously used to be fans of because i know some of the stuff they do internally and so it's like like, please tell me g2's good please tell me g2's not one of those bad teams i mean i feel like anytime g2 is in scandal you see it publicly anyway so okay like yeah you know what you're getting okay (laughs) i mean like right now like ocelot retweeted that one tweet and uh that showed the hot take it was my biggest success by far and so now he just has me for life and i just don't want him to be like embroiled in scandals like wait am i gonna be feeling bad for this all all you've seen yeah you know again you know what you're getting you're getting someone who like will do things like that perks by a Mm -hmm. crap and will you know He's all, he's competitive to a fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, again, that, you know what you're getting. Um, I definitely think like, uh, I, I don't really have a rooting interest in them, but I'm like really intrigued by like what FlyQuest is doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people that work over there, I, I think like, I don't know if there's a market for what they're marketing, you know, renewable energy or renewable sources for their like, uh, merchandising and, uh, you know, being like environmentalists, but I think it's cool. Uh, because there are far too many esports teams that um, there are far too many esports teams that want to be Phase Clan and One Hundred Thieves. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they sit in marketing meetings and they're like, "We want to be the Phase of this, or we want to be the One Hundred Thieves of this." And it's like, just get creative. Yeah. Find yourself a different identity than copying somebody else. And I think it's pretty cool that FlyQuest is uh, trying something different, even if it doesn't hit. Basically, what's it going to take for? the LEC or the LCS to actually win worlds. 
The LEC is an easier answer than the LCS. I, I, yeah, there's, uh, there's so many problems with the LCS that it would take hours to really get into I feel the like nitty gritty. I need to set up yeah. another episode where we just talk about the LCS <laughs> and we t make fun of Call of Duty and Overwatch leaks. I know you and I have had conversations on Twitter about like how you just destroyed the Call of Duty League. And I know that they just started at the time of this recording as I just get a random Windows notification in the middle of my podcast, that's professional. You now are an entrepreneur, you've left uh, .esports, and you're starting Overcome. What is Overcome? So, like a little bit of what we were talking about earlier about some of the stuff I wanted to do at ESPN, mm -hmm. I have seen it an outsized demand for content about, uh, for gaming content in general, but particular gaming content that can be relatable to everyone. Right. So a lot of the existing content that is made about gaming right now, you have to be a gamer to understand. Mm -hmm. So you have to either play the game to know sort of the game lingo, or you have to be kind of in the industry as, an, as a watcher. Um, and while I am as bullish as a lot of people about gaming is sort of the future of entertainment, right? It's the fastest growing sector of entertainment. It's getting bigger than TV, film, mm -hmm. and music. Um, the one thing is I still think gaming has a real issue with being able to properly create content that's accessible by all. And I don't think it's because there's a lack of stories to tell. Mm -hmm. I think it's more so because I have a lot of theories on it, but my biggest one would probably be the fact that gamers were a bullied and, and myself included in this statement, bullied yes. and sort of maligned. Uh, it was not cool to be a gamer until very recently. Like maybe the yes. past three or four years. Oh no, you're right? absolutely right. Um, and so we feel sort of this sense of this is our community and we want to protect it and at all cost. Mm -hmm. um, so what we are is we're a production company that is creating content that about gaming and about esports that is accessible to everyone. You don't have to be in the industry to understand this content, um, but we're also not going to talk to gamers like they are stupid. Yes. Right. Like we're we're going to find the nice middle ground of of taking both audiences into account and telling stories in a way that they are not the gamers are not going to feel talked down at because I myself am a gamer. My my current staff is a gamer and, mm -hmm. you know, we will hire some people in the gaming industry and some people not. And that's OK. Um, and uh, but also that it's accessible to someone who, you know, maybe all they know is that their kid plays games mm -hmm. and they just want to like watch something about the gaming industry. There are so many stories about humans uh, and human interest stories in gaming that are just untapped because yeah, but I think part of it too is just the people that create gaming content are just happy that they're creating game content period, right? Like mm -hmm. it's enthusiast journalism and that's fine. But I think at the same time that there's a, a giant missed opportunity and we want to build a company that fixes that. I have a list as well of people I want to, I wish I could like talk to in the esports industry because I think they have some great stories and I'd like to get their take on some things. Who are some of the people that you wish like you could like write a story about because you're, you find them really interesting. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I don't want to give away some of the stuff we're actually doing. Oh, um, so here, here's uh, the thing. You could say it. No one's going to know. Like, I could post this tweet, I, I could post this clip, and I could tag every single esports reporter. You know what they're not going to do? Report it. Don't worry. Your secret's safe with me on this podcast. You're good. I, uh, I'll, I'll abstain for the ones because I, I do. We have some really cool pitch ideas that I, uh, yeah, I just, I try. Yeah. 
I'll I'll hold. Um, Worth a shot. Over overall though, like I just as like a general statement, like I don't care what new game streamer XYZ is playing. I care about like how they got there, mm-hmm. right? Because especially in a world where like I can't tell you how many people, just regular old people that I've met in the past you know two years who are like i want to be a streamer especially in the pandemic when people are laid off and they just want to be at home and stream video games and have a good time and like potentially make a career off of it right it's Mm -hmm. it's an iconic career choice now um and obviously only the very small percentage of people become successful at it but like same time right like we should be telling more stories about how these people came to be what they are and uh, you know everyone from like pokemon to to valkyrie and courage and others like mm-hmm. i, I want to see more of that like how did it what, what did these people go through like why aren't people writing profiles about that and yeah they're really the only ones that are have uh from a mainstream media perspective have sort of gotten that level of attention or like dr disrespect ninja and uh mr beast on the youtube side of things yeah. but like that's about it mm-hmm. like you shouldn't have to be a ninja style a-lister to be interesting i don't like these yeah. people are interesting. I definitely nature. want to get like Luna Lovey on here from Hearthstone just because the fact that she's the most decorated Hearthstone player out there and she came out as trans not too long ago and it has to be a very difficult journey, especially in the esports industry. Yeah, there you go. Like I, I think there's there's so many stories to be told. And mm-hmm. I both on like the more traditional storytelling side and the investigative side. And I just think it's uh it's hard. It's almost like not being able to see the forest past the trees, basically. Yeah. Um, first off, Jacob, I can't thank you enough for, uh, coming on. I've got so many questions and I know we're running short on time. Like, I want to know, like, how do you get sources? Like I've tried reaching out to like the Florida mayhem and be like, Hey, I don't know how to get a source, but if you guys need news, I can report it for you. It's like, then I realized, wait a minute, that's not how journalism works. And it sounds like I'm being bought, but I would love to have you on at another time. I know that we're time is short and I want to get to the same questions again. Uh, Jacob Wolf. Check out Overcome when it goes live. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jacob Wolf. He is the best when it comes to esports journalism. The same questions that I ask all my guests here on that game show. Are you ready? Yes. These are the hardest-hitting journalistic questions I will ask you this entire podcast. Here we go. What's your ringtone? Uh, just the default Samsung ringtone. I, I actually just turn my, my uh, phone on vibrate. I don't usually actually keep one. What's the most played song on your, I would say on your either iPod, Spotify, whatnot? Uh, ooh, what was it last year? Spotify rap told me last year it was, uh, no, 2020. It was one of the songs of Hamilton. Uh, last year it was probably, damn, I'm like struggling to think what it was. What do you think? Like, what about like of all, let's think of all time then. Like what song that you always just had on repeat? Uh, I know hard hitting, right? Prob- probably all all of the lights by Kanye West. Uh, I they're, they're, yeah, that entire album, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, is one of those things that when I'm feeling down on myself and I need a boost of confidence, just listen to that because nobody is more confident in this world than Kanye. That is <laughs> that is very true. I don't know Antonio Brown's getting there, like yeah, but the but the abrashed arrogance is like kind of refreshing to be like, hey, if this man can be this confident about what he does, I can be confident about whatever small thing I'm facing today. <laughs> I'll tell you this because I know you and I both do fantasy football. Um, I was in the final and I lost horribly. I only had one player go off, and that player was, of course, Antonio Brown against the Jets. Uh, oh, guilty, wow. yeah, uh, guilty pleasure band. 
Guilty pleasure band. Um, hmm. Probably the Jonas Brothers. Jonas I got Brothers. to actually see. I got to see them live. I don't think too many men would like to admit that um, because people are awful and stereotype yep. uh, your your listening choices. Um, no, I got to see the Jonas Brothers live with a friend of mine in at Madison Square Garden uh, a couple of years ago on their reunion tour, mm-hmm. and it was sick. So uh, yeah, they make they they make good music, despite what people make yeah i don't trust me don't worry like one of my favorite bands is abba so like and i drink margaritas yeah. on the reg so you're you're good here you're in good company i got my wife tickets to jonas brothers and i got two tickets and i was like oh crap i'm gonna have to go let me convince her friend real quick to drive up two and a half hours to see it and i got lucky there i'm not a big jonas brothers fan but i do like sucker sucker is a really good song they they're cool ass performance because they not only did all their new album songs but they also did uh, all of their like greatest hits and then they also did other people's music. It was mm-hmm. like a, it was a really cool experience and they like at least at the MSG show they had like uh, two different stages the one in front and then they had one in mm-hmm. the back and they would like move during the show. Right, it was really cool, really cool. So good, next good time experience. you're in Florida, I'll make sure you and my wife just talk about Jonas Brothers and we, we're all set. Cool. Like everything's all yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Uh, favorite song you like to belt it out to, no matter how good or how bad you sound? Mm. I actually am a classically trained singer, so I, I, I can't actually sing. Wow, I did not know this. Don't worry, yeah, I'll, I, will, I won't so. make you become a piano bar and make you sing anything. But I mean, I I can, I, yeah, I improv pretty well. Um, who, favorite song to belt it out to? Mm-hmm. Um, damn, I, like, I'm trying to... I know this is supposed to be rapid fire. Um, no, it's not. I mean, is, take your time. I mean, I I know that I only had you for the hour, and I'm just like, oh, I gotta make sure I don't k- nah, take him over. Good. If we go, if we go a little long. We're good. Um, oh, thank God, I got 40 I, more questions. Okay, so I uh, I love Christmas music generally, mm-hmm. um, and so during the holidays, the song that I belted out probably the most is um, probably just have yourself a merry little Christmas, like the play version, because um, either that or Mr. Sales uh, slash Feliz Navidad that he mm. did with uh, Thalia. Um, I, yeah, because I actually like, I'm tonally, my voice is singing voice is not all that different from his, like the range. Okay. I'm not saying I'm as good of a singer as Michael play. I'm not, but the, but I, you sing I have lower. a very, yeah, I'm a baritone. So okay. I, I'm able to go pretty low and pretty high and have a pretty wide range in my voice and mm-hmm. so i'm able to kind of get some of those crazy high notes that he gets and then also kind of down here so is that your um, favorite christmas song oh uh no my favorite christmas song is probably uh war is over okay i don't know why for some reason like i know it's been sung by lennon but i just remember the uh a taste of christmas album from all the punk bands and for some reason i always just associate that song with the used yeah, it. I yes. Uh, also, the John Legend version is actually pretty good. Now. I don't think I've I heard that, that one. This it's on his Christmas album he did like two or three years ago. Okay, nineteen. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The yeah. I I like that song a lot. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Christmas song is "Valhalla by Nano War of Steel. Completely different genre of music compared to like John Legend and Michael Bublé. Uh, my listening range is all over the place with music. The mm-hmm. only thing I don't listen to is country. And the old, yeah. I will say I listen to some. So like Zach Brown Band is a, a favorite okay. for me. Um, I grew up 20 minutes from where they're from. Okay. Um, and actually my seventh grade Spanish teacher was in the band when they were in college and then left the band 
and then they became very famous. So, oh um, wow, yeah, oh. yeah, oh, yeah, oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, they went to college at University of West Georgia, which is like 25, 30 minutes from where I grew up. So, nice. um, but uh, I have a real uh, growing up in that part of Georgia, mm -hmm. I associate country music with some people I don't like, and so I just can't get over it. Yeah. While I'm not, I don't, uh, I'm not from Jacksonville. I, I do live in Jacksonville, so all we are really known for here is Limp Biscuit and I think Yellow Card, and oh, mm. and Cold. Don't forget Cold. Um, they sang "Stupid Girl," and that's all people really know them for. Uh, these might be also like songs before your time, which I realized when you yeah. said your first console was a Game Boy Advance, and I go, "Oh, that's really right. Yeah. There's a that was like, oh, that's right. There's an age gap here. Um, if you yeah. could eat one meal." For an entire week, what is it? Ooh, these uh, are like really good Chinese food, like quality stir fry, um, or it is uh, barbecue. I'm, you know, I've I've had barbecue at lots of places. Actually, there's mm -hmm. one place in Jacksonville I really like, um, and I'm trying to remember what it was because I've been there Four like Rivers. a couple times. Um, no, what was it? Bearded Pig, Bono's. Oh. Uh, I'm going to remember it some other time, aren't I? Yeah, um, you're just going to get a random text. It's just going to be or a random tweet from just like, oh, it's this restaurant. It's I, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it was uh, my former editor at ESPN used to live in Jacksonville, so it was a suggestion of his. And I remember I went there like three or four times while reporting down there. Nice. Um, anywho, uh, yeah, but... Uh, I just got to try the second best barbecue, uh, according to Texas Monthly, in the state of Texas, and um, that was absolutely banging. And I've also had barbecue in the Carolinas and in Florida and mm -hmm. in uh, Kansas City. So really, uh, bar barbecue's barbecue's a thing. So. Oh yeah, I love barbecue. Like the, I get mad if your macaroni and cheese sucks. Like to me, that ruins it. Yes, like, you could have like oh. the best ribs ever, but if your macaroni and cheese sucks, like yeah, no. Nah. I feel I feel spoiled that I live twenty five minutes or like twenty minutes or less from the place that is the second best barbecue in the state Jeez. of Texas. So I I'm yeah we went there last weekend and it was is uh, it that good? Watering good. The it's mac and really cheese. Good. Oh. They they had uh, mac and gouda, uh, oh, so Jesus. gouda cheese mac mac and cheese and then smoked scallop potatoes and then brisket. They they had a special Tejano sausage which was Oaxaca cheese and um, Oaxaca cheese and cumin and that was also delicious. Um, and then, uh, they had a, a peat, this is a very Southern thing, mm -hmm. um, peach tea glazed pork belly, oh, which was, geez. can you say all for. this again, but slower <laughs> it, uh, yeah. Oh my God. It was, and the brisket was good. The, the number one rule about good barbecue is you should not need sauce to make it taste good. That is very true though. I feel like there is a lot of great sauces out there to where it can enhance it sure. a little bit. But especially Texas barbecue, I never sauce it because it's just it should be really good mm -hmm. by itself. It's all about the rub. That's true. Uh, drink of choice. It could be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Uh, alcoholic Moscow Mule. Nice. Um, and then or or a whiskey. Uh, I really like Angels MB Rye, um, and I really like um, Scotch just in general. Logable in sixteen is my is uh, something I like. Ron Swanson, you over here, well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> um, and then not alcoholic, just coffee. Uh, I got really into coffee during the pandemic. Um, I have uh, an entire coffee bar set up, uh, both for pour over and now espresso at my house. And oh so wow! I I 
I don't drink it black, but I like sort of the process of making coffee, pour over, and and, and espresso. Nice. Favorite superhero? Um, probably. I'm really into superheroes, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to choose which one would be my favorite. It's, it's probably Batman, um, just because, uh, like, I, I don't think there's a Batman show or movie I've not enjoyed to some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um. And then also the comics, too. Um, yeah, so I'll go with Batman. To help settle a bet, do you think Mega Man is a superhero? Hmm. I guess technically, yes. Yes. I, I don't like view gaming through that lens, I guess. But yes, I, I guess he technically is. All right. Thank you. That is a great answer. Favorite internet video? Favorite internet video? Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. There was one I posted actually. It was from TikTok uh, about cats and uh, an indoor cat. It's somewhere on my Twitter. I'm sure you can go find it. Okay. Um, it was it was an indoor cat. It was it was a guy that did the like face filter face filter where you can like put your eyes and your mouth on other things on TikTok, and mm-hmm. he put his eyes and mouth on different cats, and it was an indoor cat being taunted by outside cats, and it was absolutely fucking hilarious. Um, basically like, you know, like it, it, there are a lot of different lines. Like you don't know nothing about that street cat life. And they, and then he's like, uh, he's like, come outside, come outside. And at the very end, um, the, you hear a, like a, a police siren go off and it's like, uh, the outdoor cats are like, we gotta go. That's the feds. And then you hear like meowing and running away. <laughs> I thought you were going to mention TikTok. Like I always associate this one that you shared. It was the Bucky's one. Oh, the Bucky's one is so good. The Bucky's yes. one is so good. And we got two Bucky's now in Florida. And so whenever oh, yeah. I tra- have to travel to like Orlando or something, we just pass it. And Super clean turlets. B-U-C-double-E, that's Bucky's. Bucky's. Let's go kick some honey buns. It's yes, so uh, good. White people uh, letters. So- White people letters. There was somebody that posted a TikTok a few months ago, and they uh, they were not from Texas, and they called it Busey's, and I've never oh. seen so much flame from Texans in my entire life. Because it's, it's like a you know, state offense, state level offense. Yeah, that, I believe um, that. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that was that was bad. That uh, oof, that is that's pretty bad. That's like insulting. There's also one recently about a cat that was my my girlfriend and I laugh at this all the time. There was mm-hmm. one about a cat that was rescued. Uh, or sorry that like the granddaughter of the original owner like took in the cat after her grandfather passed away mm-hmm. and she gets the cat it's a calico cat and she gets it dressed and she was filming herself getting the cat dressed and the cat like makes this like angry uh like throat growl like and and um and sounds really mean and then the cat like hisses and she like tells it it's a good girl and she's like putting on this sweater because they live i think they live in upstate new york so it's like really really damn cold yeah um and uh they're going out for or they're like going for a trip and um she the cat's like growling and she like throws the cat's sweater and it hits the cat on the head and the cat immediately stops growling and then starts growling when the sweater's taken off his head (laughs) just really funny um i think they were written about in like people like people magazine recently okay like they got so much traction it it was just really fun are you a cat or a dog person because i know you have both Ooh, that's a hard question I like dogs, uh, but I don't know. Ma- Macchiato in particular has uh, changed my outlook a little bit on cats for the better. All right. So. And the final question of the normal questions that I ask. Give me your spiciest 
hot take about anything in life? Spiciest hot take about anything in life. Uh, okay, so this is this is not. I don't think that work-life balance exists, and maybe that will make some people angry. It doesn't. Everything in life is a trade-off. If you want to get ahead and be successful, um, you are going to have to work very hard, and you are more than likely going to have to sacrifice parts of your life, social, etc. Right? If you want to have a more normal life where you have more time to spend with family or whatever, friends, et cetera, and have more of a social life, you are going to be sacrificing some of the potential you could have at work. Work life, there is no such thing as a perfect balance. It is all trade-offs. Every, everything is a trade-off. You, you want to have more time to spend socially. You want to be able to, to sort of live your life and have more of a social, uh, social scene for yourself. Great, you're sacrificing work, and that's the trade-off, or vice versa. If you want to work harder, you're sacrificing social time. Um, I think viewing it that way is really healthy. I've tried to put myself in that, but I think that also makes some people really angry. Um, so I don't know if that's a spiciest enough take, but I, at the same time, like I, yeah. Cause otherwise you're going to chase and chase this balance that really doesn't exist. It, I mean, it's still spicy. Like it's still like, you kind of went philosophical on it. Like some people are like, yeah, mashed potatoes are overrated or, uh, you think you're playing a great Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Actually, it's not that good. Um, but like you went like balance. Is that something that you can just kind of like, you know, from experience, really? I do know it from experience. I've heard of, I listened to a lot of different people talk about sort of their own success stories. And the common trend seems to be like, I put my head down. I did a ton of work and I had no social life and no friends for X period of time. I was like, great. That sounds like me early in my career. That sucks. Like, <laughs> so. that, that's the thing. Like, I, <laughs> like, that's the thing that sucks. Like, I've been trying my best. It's like, okay, like. I know that you're supposed to keep your head down, but it's also like when I worked over at uh, the radio station over in Orlando, it's like, okay, is my is my boss who already knows that I'm doing a great job, like, are they going to get really upset at me that I don't just take this one shift? No. And so I made sure that my, excuse me, my yeses doubled my noes. And yeah. I, just because That's like fair. I wanted to have that, I still wanted to have the social life because like I try my best to, if I don't, I'm going to be miserable and eventually like my misery is going to lash out at somebody and it's eventually going to be at work. And then that's how I lose the dream. Like, I mean, granted, I know you and I are at different, you know, kind of levels in life, but it's like, I just got to the dream and it's like, I don't want to lose that dream. But at the same time, it's like, I worked kind of hard to get there in a way. So. Yeah. It's, it's not, I mean, like there are some people that, you know, their, their philosophies are uh, different than mine and that that's okay. Like I'm a very work driven person and there's reasons for that, like mm -hmm. in my personal life and my family history. And, um, you know, I never want to have to live the life that I saw my mom live. And then also like, you know, was a, a child of like, I want my kids to be way better off than I ever was. And yeah. uh, part of that is working my ass off. Mm -hmm. And that's a, often at the expense of other people and me spending time with other people. And um, I'm okay with that, but that's not for everybody. Like, yeah. I would never shame anybody for choosing a different right. life than that. But, that's very true. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Not for everybody. Especially when and you we, have like it, a low financial situation, like it kind of not like scars you, but like you remember that you remember mm -hmm. the meal, the days of trying to find a meal and you never want to have that again. So yeah. I completely understand that. Yeah, I, I remember my mom being in a panic, and I just don't want to have to do that myself yeah. uh, ever. So I, uh, I'm i very, very work-motivated. Actually, you know, uh, now I feel like I'm trying to 
do a little bit better on the social front, but that's also because I'm my own boss and I work weird hours. Mm-hmm. I like to work late at night. And so sometimes I just do, you know, sometimes during the day I'd rather do something else and then work, you know, super late at night when I'm focused and kind of drilled in. But yeah, yeah that's kind of nice now. You can find Jacob on Twitter at Jacob Wolf. Make sure you keep an eye out for Overcome. It sounds like it's just going to be, if it's anything like your reporting, it's going to be a lot of great, compelling stories, and it's going to be a lot of great reporting. So make sure you keep an eye out on that. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Jacob Wolf. Jacob, thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. And that is it for our show. If you like what you heard, feel free to follow us on wherever you get your podcasts and feel free to rate it as well. Write whatever review you'd like. You could just say, eh, not terrible. As long as there's five stars, I think we're good as it is. You can follow me on Twitter at Chase Bunker. You can also follow the show on Twitch, twitch.tv slash that underscore game show where I'll stream whatever I kind of feel like playing at the time. And also my co-host Kyle will sometimes stream some things whatever challenge he feels like doing. Special thanks to Power Glove for letting us use their music for music tour dates and merch. Go to powergloveband.com and of course a special thanks again to Jacob Wolf for stopping by. Thank you all very much for listening and I'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out more episodes on iTunes and on our YouTube page. YouTube.com forward slash that game show. Follow us on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash that game show.